Father, we thank you, Lord, that we don't have to add or take away from that plan. All we have to do is submit ourselves underneath that plan and operate in and according to what you have for us. Father, we ask now in the name of Jesus that you continue to lead us in the path in which we should follow. Father, we ask you, Lord, that you continue to make our mind free from all the things that constantly clouds it, Lord, and causes us to be in a state of confusion or frustration. Father, we acknowledge that we're not perfect within ourselves, but we acknowledge that you're perfect and that you're righteous, and we can depend and lean upon you to give us what we need in our everyday season. Father, we ask you now, Lord, to bless us with your word today, Lord. Bless us with an understanding of your word, that as we learn more of your Lord, that we may be able to go beyond being a hearer of your word, but a doer of your word. Bless us right now in your son Jesus' name we pray. Forgive us, Lord, for those sins that we've committed, Lord, by thought, word, and deed. Cleanse us now, Lord, for all unrighteousness, that as we stand before you presently, we stand covered in the blood of your son Jesus Christ. Have mercy upon us, Jesus. In your son, precious Jesus' name, we pray. And in Jesus' name, we all say, amen, amen, and amen, amen. Truly, God is blessing us in a mighty way because we, as believers, we still pursue the things of God. And if you still can pursue the things of God, you're still being blessed. Amen. And as we go into this message today, and as we look at certain aspects of this message today, you'll see, even in this message, how even when it comes to something as we may think as simple as prayer, but prayer is so important because we don't just pray. Let me just say this again. We don't just pray. Every person that prays, remember what prayer means. It means supplication. It means petition. But it also means worship. So before we knew of anything concerning God, what we petitioned, what we worship, was false God. Why do I say that? Even if we believe we worshiped God through Jesus Christ, if we weren't saved, we weren't worshiping. Amen? And we'll see in the word. Because I was a young man before, and when I got into trouble, let me tell you something. I knew who to call. See, one thing about them older folks, they didn't just tell you what was right, but they told you who to depend on or lean upon in the time of trouble. Amen? They also told us that we need to get our life right with that God, that that God may bless us. Amen? See, I'm like some people, not saying you, but I'm like some people, I put certain things first before the other things. What am I saying? I didn't seek God until I needed him. So in those times of need, I prayed to him even though I didn't know him. And I asked him to not only help me but to bless me. I asked him to deliver me. I asked him to set me free from circumstances. My whole point in sharing all this to you is that one place in our life, saints, we didn't know what we know today. Amen? So because we know what we know today, we need to be thankful. Amen? This is why as we moved into the epistle of James, the first message that God gave us to speak from was count it all joy. Count it all joy. And we talked about counting it all joy when we face the trials of life, when our faith is being tested. When we consider the cost of salvation, count it all joy. See, in the midst of the trials you face, sometimes it can get overbearing. But you got to remind yourself to count it all joy. See, in those times when those trials of life may be overbearing, you have to remind yourself that my faith is only being tested. You got to count it all joy. See, when we consider the cost of salvation, man, all this I got to go through to be saved. We need to remind ourselves to count it all joy. Amen? See, one thing about God is God doesn't make mistakes. He's perfect in all his ways. 
And in everything God is doing in our life, he's not just leading us to any unknown place. He's leading us to a specific place. Amen? A place of growth, a place of maturity and understanding. God is constantly moving. Amen? This is why even in the next message we talked about, we talked about the pursuit of wisdom. In that, we talked about God gives wisdom to those who seek it. See, as a Christian, you need wisdom. Amen? And in that, we showed that not only should we get wisdom, but in all our getting, get understanding. Amen? Because not only do we need to know wisdom, but we need to understand wisdom. Why I say it like that? Because we can talk to many people that we come in contact with, and we can lead that conversation. You know what we'll say? Boy, they show wise. Because what they say, man, they know a lot. They very wise. But what wisdom is, is how you apply it. How they applying it. See, if they ain't applying what they're telling you, they're not wise. Amen? So the point is, if we say we're wise and we're not applying it, we're not wise. Why? We lack understanding. See, if you understand wisdom, you will apply wisdom. Amen? See, it's not a challenge. When you understand it. Because you know what? We know it's the best thing for us. And the second thing we talked about in pursuing wisdom is by faith we receive the wisdom necessary to please God. God ain't going to give us no more than what we need. He ain't going to give us no more than what we can bear. Amen? The Bible just not says that he don't put more on us than we can bear but make a way of escape and every temptation. It's not just temptations. But why would God put an accountability on you that you can't bear? Amen? We all say this in Ms. Dot, you share it a lot. When I know to do better, I do better. Or a word a little different, when I learn to do better, I do better. Amen? In order to do better, you got to learn to do better. Amen? So God takes us through circumstances and situations in our life for us to learn so we can do better. But when we learn to do better, it's only through what we learn and what we know. Amen? The third thing we talked about was the danger of not applying God's word. Remember, saints, we're going to be accountable for every word we sit under. Every one of them. We can't sit back and tell God, oh, God, I didn't know. Oh, we knew. Amen? See, I don't know about you, but see, I got all kind of evidence around me. I don't have to go online to see all the messages that have been preached. I got stacks of these folders, these tablets, stacks of them. And that's just what I spoke, stacks upon stacks. Amen? But you can't take into account that all the people that God done blessed to speak at this local church. Amen? Oh, we've gotten a word. Amen? So the important thing now is, that's it. The important thing now is, is to continue to understand what God is doing. God doesn't want us to get wisdom just so we can be wise because, see, some people that are wise, you know what they are? Puffed up. They're elevated in self. So even though God's desire is for us to get wisdom and get understanding, he never wants us to get swelled up in pride based on what we know. Amen? Do you know Christians can be prideful off of what they know? Yes, we can. Not only can we be prideful, but we can be judgmental of what we know. Amen? But the reality of it is, if you have understanding with what you know, you won't become prideful or you won't be judgmental. Because you understand what you know, it was only given to you by the grace of God. So what reason do we have to brag or boast about what we know? What reason do we have to prop ourselves up based on one another to say what I know? See, if I'm going to size myself up, I need to size myself up with the word, with Jesus. Not with the people of God, but with God himself. Amen? So when we understand that, it's only through humility. See, a lot of people, they judge what they do based on what another do. That's what we do. Oh, man, I'm not bad as them. I'm not worse as them. Oh, I go to church. Or I'm faithful at Sunday school. Or I'm faithful at Bible study. But we're full of hell. Amen? The Bible is clear. 
Actions of going and doing does not say who we are. Faith through actions of love says who we are. Amen? Now, the blessedness of humility. Again, the thought for the weak is humility is strong, but it's not bold. Humility is quiet, but it's not speechless. Humility is sure, but it's not arrogant. Amen? Now, these three points, again, the important thing of humility, importance of humility, number one. Number two, the importance of rejoicing when we are made low or humble by God. It's all a process. And number three, it's through a humble obedience that we receive the promises of God. God knows where he's taking us. He knows what he's doing in our life. Amen? Amen. Number one, the importance of humility. Now, we should know a lot of this because we've dealt with humility quite a bit, but this is a different direction we're going based on the same thing. None of these scriptures are basically the same as we've spoken in these past messages because God has been sharing something not totally different, but he's been sharing it in different ways to not only incite our understanding, but to help us to learn. Yes. Amen? Amen? Look at verse 9. What does he say in verse 9, James chapter 1? Let the brother of low degree rejoice in that he is exalted. He says, let the brother of low degree. Now let's look at the words here of low degree. The words of low degree we know in its original Greek, this definition, it means depressed. See, a lot of times when we hear words, we automatically start putting a definition with what we hear based on our own understanding. Amen? Because all of us have somewhat of an understanding of what it means by the word depressed. Amen? But let us understand more closely what God is saying when we look at these words. And that's why I tell y'all, I take time to do this for you. Because you need to understand the power of these words and what God is saying concerning these words. Again, depressed. What does that word mean? Not only does it mean sad or gloomy, but it means dejected or downcast. See, any of us can be sad, gloomy, dejected, or downcast. All it takes is circumstances. Amen? So what is the Word of God saying? The Word of God is saying is that some people are sad, gloomy, dejected, or downcast based on their circumstances. In other words, we look at people sometimes and we look at them this way. Because I have what I have and you don't have what I have, I look down on you. That's what it means to be downcast. In other words, you're looked on as a downcast. You're treated like a downcast. In other words, you don't have what I have. You're not operating in the level I'm operating, so you don't measure up to me. So therefore, you're not on my level. You're not on my standard. And you know we don't heard that in the world. They ain't on my level. Amen. 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 But see, this is what God is saying. All that's of the world. But the world, if not careful, can creep into the mentality of a believer or the church. Amen. Amen. See, the sad reality is, is that we're not far from that way of thinking. Even though our mind is being renewed, but we got to remember we used to think the same way. So the Bible begins to say, listen now. There's some that are downcast. There's some that are dejected. They're undergoing economic hardships. Some of them are going through poverty and unemployment. What we do, boy, I'm glad it ain't me. Well, that's on them. That's come from Christian's mouth. Amen. Amen. Amen? But even when we look at believers, the Bible says we're one of the same body. Yeah. We're one of another. Amen? Amen. When one member hurt, all members should hurt. Let's look at this a little bit differently. Proverbs 22 and 2 says this. The rich and poor meet together. The Lord is the maker of them all. In other words, when people come into the presence of God or wherever, the Bible says some of them are rich and some of them are poor. But the Bible says that the Lord is the maker of them all. In other words, whatever we are, God has created us and fashioned us to be so. 
See, I know some people say, you know what, but I don't want to be the poor man. But sometimes the poor man is the most blessed man. But we don't see that because what we see is from a worldly perspective. Amen? That's where wisdom come into play. That's why it's important to get it. See, when you see things, you have to see it the way God sees it. Remember, God said he don't look on the outward, but he look on the inward. Amen? Ecclesiastes chapter 5 verse 19 again God is the maker of them all look at this one every man also to whom God has given riches wealth and have given him power to eat thereof and to take his portion and to rejoice in his labor this is the gift of God so when we see people who have made a lot of money or wealth and God allows them to enjoy that wealth. The Bible says, and they rejoice in their labor, this is God's gift. God gave that to them. But let me share something else with you. Ecclesiastes chapter 6 verse 2 says it like this. And man, or a man to whom he have given riches, wealth, honor, so that he wanteth nothing for his soul of all that he desires. Yet God giveth him not power to eat thereof, but a stranger eateth thereof. This is vanity, and it is an evil disease. In other words, see, a lot of times, all we want is what we want. In other words, listen, I don't want to be poor. I want to be rich. But you never said you want to be that rich man that makes it and saves it for somebody else who never gets to enjoy it. See, we look from the outward. God looks on the inside because God has purposed in the inside of all of us based on the gifts and talents to do something that he's purposed us to do. See, a lot of times, like I say, we want to be this, we want to be that, but God didn't make us that because he knew what we would do with that. Amen? God knows what's best for us. We think we know but we don't know. See, I can be crying out to God, God, make me rich, make me rich. But then he make me that rich one who don't eat none of it. But I make it all, save it all. And then somebody else spin it or enjoy it all. That's what the words say. So we have to be mindful when we see those who get wealth and that are rich. Everybody don't enjoy it. So we got to be careful what we want. I want what God has for me. Because what God has for me and we'll see it, we can totally enjoy it. But if we want what's not for us, we got to understand if it's not for me, I'm not going to enjoy it. Remember now, everything look good, ain't good. Amen? Look at the scripture again. James chapter 1 verse 9. Let the brother of low degree rejoice. Let him do what now? Rejoice. See, in other words, let the humble man rejoice. Amen. See, instead of saying, God, bless me with this, bless me with that, rejoice. That means to make boast. That means to glory. That means to joy. Why does it say that? Because Job says it like this in Job 22 and 29. This wisdom with understanding. When men are cast down, then thou shalt say, there is a lifting up. And he shall save the humble person. That's what the words say. So a lot of times we don't want to be that humble person, but them are the ones that God looked to. I want to be rich. I want to have this. I want to have that. Having can have us out of the presence of God. Amen. Want what God has for you. Because we'll see even with the rich, God has a plan for them just like he has a plan for the poor. Amen. Amen. Psalms chapter 10, verse 17. Look at what it says. Lord, thou hast heard the desire of the humble. Thou will prepare their heart. See, God prepares the heart of the humble. Who you think the humble cry to? They ain't crying to Satan. How many people you know going through or of a low state sitting there saying, devil help me. Devil bless me. None of them. They're praying, they're praying and asking God to help them. They're praying and asking God to bless them. Now, why do you think they're doing that? 
Again, let me read it again. Lord, thou hast heard the desire of the humble. Thou will prepare their heart. Thou will cause thine ear to hear. In other words, God puts in your heart what he wants to hear. Did we know that? Oh, my God. See, it's just so amazing how sometimes we think that some of these prayers we pray for people, we pray for ourselves and family, we think it derives from us. But it don't. It don't. See, I'm reminded of this because God is so good. Even before he gave me this message, I was found myself, because I was meditating, and I found myself in the middle, midst of meditation just getting on my knees and start praying. And as I started praying, I went to praying not only for me to be blessed in a sense to say be better, to be better for the people, to be better for my family, and to be better for the purpose of God, but I got to praying for all of you, praying for the church, praying for my family, praying for my son, praying for my in-laws. I mean, just praying for everybody. I, I got out and just started pray, praying for everybody. So you thought all of a sudden that was something that I, I had already thought of? No. God gave me desire in the midst of meditation, get down and start praying. And I started praying. God gave me the words to say. But because I got down, I had none of that on my mind to say. So all I'm saying to you, and I know I'm not the only one, all I'm saying to you is that we have to be mindful that when we pray to God, God is the one that fixes in our heart what to pray. Amen? Because God's desire is to hear our prayers. God doesn't want our prayers to be in vain. So why would he let us pray, pray vain prayers? He puts in our heart what's to pray. Amen? Glory be to God. Because God is gracious. Amen? God is so good, saints. Turn with me to Proverbs chapter 15. Proverbs chapter 15. Like I say, saints, God is just so good to us. Because even when it comes down to that, God gives us what to pray. And even in the New Testament, the Bible teaches us that we don't know how to pray as we ought. But the Holy Spirit maketh intercession for us on the behalf of the saints. Amen? So God always desires to help us. Proverbs chapter 15, verse 29. The Lord is far from the wicked. Look, uh, uh, wait a minute now. What does this say? The Lord is far from the wicked. Don't get this twisted, saints. When we are unsaved, God is far from us. What keeps us in the mercies of God? Not just God and his mercy, but these prayers people pray for us. That's what does it. That's why, as we said, I heard somebody, the prayers of the righteous avail of much. We don't say that because it was something we knew on our own. We say it because that's what the words say. Amen? So if we know that's what the words say and we do what the words say, we know that the word brings a blessing from what we do. Amen? So this is what I'm saying. All that mercy I was walking in when them gunshots were fired and I didn't get hit and when I was ignorant and shooting at other people and didn't shoot nobody, boy, God is good. God is good. Amen? This is what we're talking about. Now, go ahead, Sister Ward, again, verse 29. Go ahead. The Lord is far from the wicked, uh -huh. but he heareth the prayer of the righteous. He hears us. The light of the eyes rejoiceth the heart, and a good report maketh the bones fat. Now, look at us as people. See, what we see, it rejoices our heart. And what we hear, it makes the bones fat. In other words, what we hear, it satisfies our life. See, we always want to see something good and hear something good. Always. Amen? But go ahead. Continue to read. The ear that heareth the reproof of life abideth among the wise. What now? The ear that heareth the reproof of, the, of life abideth among the wise. Mm -hmm. So in other words, everybody don't hear it. Yeah. Amen? Amen? See, what God is beginning to say is that even though we like what we see and what we hear, everybody don't like to hear what he's saying. Reproof means chastisement by words of correction. 
Go ahead, Sister Ward, verse 32. Look at what he says. He that refuseth instruction despises his own soul. Look at what he says now. But he that heareth reproof geteth understanding. Geteth understanding. See, when we refuse instructions, we despise our own soul. But he that heareth reproofs geteth understanding. Verse 33. The fear of the Lord is the instruction of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is what now? The instruction of wisdom. In this original Greek, this word defined, it means bond. That's what it means. It means the bond. The instruction here, it means the bond. See, the fear or the reverence of the Lord is the bond of instruction. Mm -hmm. See, when we start reverencing him, we don't have a bond mm -hmm. to wisdom. Mm -hmm. Amen? But see, when we reverence God, yes. when we honor God, yes. that's the bond yes. to wisdom. Yes. Amen. Amen. That's the glue. Amen. Verse 33 again. The fear of the Lord is the instruction of wisdom. That's the bond. And before honor is humility. And before what now? Honor, honor is humility. In other words, Proverbs 22 and 4 says, by humility and fear of the Lord are riches and honor and life. So in other words, what I'm saying today is God can bless you to be rich. He can bless you with honor as well as life. But let me remind you of 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. Amen? See, there's a time and a season in all of our life. The Bible says there's a time and a season for every work under the sun. Amen? Remember, we know that scripture. There's a time for this and a time for that. A time for this and a time for that. In other words, there's a time in our life for every season which God is working something out. Amen? Amen? Amen. See, it's important, very important to have humility. Yes. Humility is everything to us mm -hmm. because it's through that humility that as believers, we are exalted. Yes. Amen? Amen? Number two, the importance of rejoicing when we are made low or humble. Go back to James, our original text, James chapter 1. Verse 10. But the rich in that he is made low. Look at what he says here now because this is a added from the first verse. He says, but the rich, when we look at the word but, it means and the rich or moreover the rich. Mm -hmm. In other words, not only do the person that's humble, but the rich also have a reason to rejoice. Mm -hmm. That's what the word is saying. See, some of us are placed in positions that our life promotes humility in our life. And like I said earlier, those who are more or less impoverished states or due to lack of income or finances, these are the people sometimes you find the most humblest. Amen? They're the ones you find the most humblest. And what the word of God is saying is that this person here who's humble, let him rejoice in that he's exalted. See, God doesn't always exalt us to riches, fame, and glory. But God will always exalt us to wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. Amen? See, we may be poor in physical things, but we're not poor in spiritual things. Amen? Some of the greatest people in the faith are the people in natural things. Amen? But the Word of God is reminding us that God is the one who gives the rich power to get rich. So there's no sentence against the rich for being rich. But what God is saying is that most that are rich, they struggle with the fact of trusting him. So therefore, the rich also have to be made low. See, the rich have to be humble. Amen? This is what he's saying. Now, let me read this for you. Mark chapter 10, verse 24. Look at what Jesus says to his disciples. This is about the rich ruler. All right? Now, we know the rich ruler, once Jesus told him that he had done all the law, he had kept all the commandments, and he said, okay, you lack one thing. Go sell all that you have 
and you have treasures in heaven, and come follow me. And the Bible says he went away very sorrowful. Now, this is what Jesus said to the disciples when they responded. Mark 10, verse 24. And the disciples were astonished at his words. Number one, why would the disciples be astonished? Because Jesus said it is hard for the rich to inherit the kingdom of heaven. Why would they be astonished? Let me share with you. See, when we're poor, when we lack, sometimes we feel that we need in order to have. Amen? But what God is saying is that you don't need but him to have. See, but the rich, because the rich have, they say the opposite. I don't need because I have. Amen? That's the difference. And that's what God is saying to us. See, God knows what's best for us. So what Jesus was letting them know is that, listen now, let me give you a better understanding of what I said. Because they were astonished at his words. And you know it. In one text, they said, well, who can be saved? Amen? But look at what Jesus says in Mark 1, 24, after they was amazed. But Jesus answered again. And he said unto them, children, how hard is it for them that trust in riches to enter into the kingdom of God? See how he changed it? Jesus never said that a person who was rich can't make it. But he said it's hard for them that trust in it to make it. Amen? See, when we trust in those riches, it's hard for us to get in the kingdom of God. Because in the kingdom of God, you got to solely trust him. Saints, we've heard the testimony. I don't know if you remember it, but I remember it well. That a young man shared with us about his boss. His boss is very wealthy. And his boss, as he was ministering to his boss about the salvation of God, his boss began to talk about his works, the works he did, the giving he did, the sacrifice he did. And what he began to say to this individual was this. Man, listen, if I have to, I'll pay my way in. That was his words. He told the man, if I have to, I will pay my way in. In other words, this man, he thought by his actions and his deeds that it brought him some merit with God. And that through that merit, he can some kind of way pay his way in. Saints, there's people out there like that who are rich because they feel like they have no need of nothing because they have everything they need. That's what they think. Amen? So I wanted to share that with you just to let you know there's some people out there that believe they can pay their way in. Amen? But Jesus says if we trust in them riches, it's hard for us to enter into the kingdom of God. Why? John chapter 1 John, 1 John chapter 2 verse 17 says this. And the world passeth away and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Can't pay our way in. All that physical stuff is passing away. All the riches and the wealth we have is passing away. Even if we outlive it, it's still passing away. Because whatever we leave is still going to pass away. Amen? So what the Bible is saying is, is that we need to understand what's more important in our life. The world passes away and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Amen? Forever. Now, verse 10 and 11. But the rich in that he is made low, because as the flower of the grass he shall pass away. He should do what now? Pass away. He should pass away. Just like the world and all of his lust, mm -hmm. it shall pass away. For the sun is no sooner risen with the burning heat, but it wherewith the grass and the flower thereof falleth, and the grace of the fashion of it perisheth, so also shall the rich man fade away in his ways. In what now? In his ways. In his ways. He didn't say in God's ways, but he said in his ways. Amen? See, that's what separates the difference. That's why when we are made low by God or humble by God, we got to rejoice. We got to rejoice. And I've shared the testimony. I've been there. 
losing everything. And I know I'm not the only one of shared testimony. Deacon Nathiel just shared last week about financial difficulties at one point in their family and how they were tempted, you know, as far as their trust in God, ability to continue to trust God. In other words, it make you question when this God has promised so much, but you find yourself having to operate from so little. Amen? Did that mean God has failed us? No. But God is teaching us something. That's it. See, God is teaching us man don't live by bread alone, but every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. See, God wants us to understand where life is. It's in his word. Amen? First Peter chapter 1, verse 24 says, For all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man as the flower of the grass. The grass withered, and the flower thereof falleth away. Saints, I don't care what we do to try to beautify this thing. It's falling away. You see how gravity keep pulling? We saying that's how gravity keep pulling me down. Gravity pulling stuff down. Amen. Stuff don't stand up forever. Get to a point where it starts to fall down. Amen. And all God is saying is that we're fading away. We're fading away. Turn with me to 1 Timothy chapter 6. 1 Timothy chapter 6. First Timothy chapter 6, start at verse 6. But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. Ain't nothing going with us. And having food and raiment, let us be there with content. He said, we fed and got clothes. Let us be content. Amen. Amen. Now look at the next verse. But they that will be rich. But they what now? That be rich. They that will be rich. Fall into temptation what and they snare. Do? What do they do? Fall. They fall. All the word of God is saying is that, see, subtly, we'll say this. And believe me now, I done been there. I done been there now. And I'm just saying to you from a person who done experienced it, not saying you got to, but I'm saying that don't think that you can't experience it. See, I've been there. Where when I was told by God to start a business, I made the bold statement and I said, you know what, if God doesn't do nothing but just bless me to be able to pay our bills and to just live, I'll be satisfied. And the person encouraged me in the way to say, well, I understand what you're saying, but what if God want to bless you to bless other people? Don't limit God to what God can do. In other words, I know what you're saying. I know your heart. I know your attitude. But don't limit God. All that was said, and then God came right back and stripped me from everything I had. Why is that? You know why? The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. See, when I told them, oh, God ain't got to do them to bless me with enough to live. But then God gave me more. And then I went and got that Nissan Titan for $728 a month. Went and got that Maxima. Six sixty a month. That new house, thirteen hundred and some a month. Bills were over five to six thousand a month. And you know what he did in the end? Pull that financial support out from under me. Now all of a sudden, the same man who said all I need to do, Lord, is just live, just have this, have that. God showed me. He said, now you're just going to live. But all that other stuff, <laughs> you know what happened. I'm just telling you, saying, see, we'll say anything. God knows what's best. See, I said all of that. But as soon as we went to getting that money, boy, look at here. Went to buying. I went so far as to buy a timeshare in the Bahamas. Yeah. You know how many times me and my wife used that Bahamas timeshare? Zero. Zero, not three. Zero. We had a timeshare that you can go spend a whole weekend already paid. How many we spent, honey? Zero. All I'm telling you, all I'm doing is just to be honest with you. 
We'll say one thing, and the same thing we say, we'll go do the total opposite. God knows what's best for us. See, but now God has blessed us to make a few pennies. Boy, <laughs> we ain't buying all that now. See, all that ain't happening now. I'm just being honest with you. All that's not happening now. And see, those that are here in finance, I know Sister Nathan have been in finance for a while, Sister Hines too. I know they see the difference in our givings now. Yeah, they see the difference in our givings from years ago to now. That's the difference. When God teach you something and show you something, it's a learning lesson. So that's my whole point. When God humbles us saints, we got to rejoice because God is doing what's best for us. See, me and my family, I was trying to build our own kingdom and didn't even know it. Now, let's go back to the scripture and see what God saved me and my family from. This is what God saved us from. Verse 9. But they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare. What do they fall into? Temptation and The word snare. fall means to be entrapped by. It means to be overwhelmed with. Temptation is what it means. Temptation. Something that tempts, entices, or lures. It entices and allures you to a trap. Amen? Amen. See, what the devil does when we have more than what we should have based on our mentality, what the devil does is find everywhere else to tempt you yeah. to put it. Amen. Amen? Amen? And when he tempts us to put it in these different places, these different places sometimes lead us to different places. Mm -hmm. Amen? Amen? Look at it again. One more time. Verse 9. But they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare. And into many foolish and hurtful lusts, which drown, drown men in destruction and perdition. Look at what it says. It says foolish. Mm -hmm. Foolish and hurtful lusts. Foolish. foolish means unintelligent. Mm -hmm. See, when we're not wise with understanding, we're foolish. Mm -hmm. And we act unintelligently. We act sensually. In other words, we move by the flesh. We move from a lack of wisdom. The Bible says when we do this, it drowns us in destruction. In other words, death. Perdition, ruin, loss spiritually, eternal. In other words, damnation. That's the end of it. The devil always want to put us in a place where our desire is to have more. Because if we always desire more, you know what we'll do? We'll do more to get more. Amen? He never wants us to be content. Because if we're never content, we're never really operating in godliness. That's his desire. Proverbs 15 and 27 in his first part says this. He that is greedy of gain trouble his own house. See, when we're greedy to gain, we trouble our own house and don't even understand it. But that's what the word says. But we don't understand it. I just explained to you how I trouble my own house. See, when I was greedy for gain, see, I, I said I didn't care about making but a little bit, but when I started making that money, two, three thousand dollars every few days, well, I was like, oh my God, this is a whole new life of living here. See, this is what we do. And you trouble your own house. Verse 10. For the love of money is the root of all evil. He says, for what now? For the love of money is the root of all evil. Now, what let us look at this scripture, just this part. For the love of money is the root of all evil. Now, let me share this testimony with you based on just an experience and what I've seen. I was last week watching ESPN. And in watching ESPN, you know, they came out talking about the Dallas Cowboys and the owner and him talking about the players have to stand for the national for the anthem. Now the NFL had already gave a report to all the NFL teams and the the um the league um for the um the football players. The, in other words, their representation that they were not going to talk about this anthem until they meet together and make more decisions on it. Anyway, the owner of the Dallas Cowboys came out and he said, well, my players are going to stand. We're all going to stand. This, that, another. We're going to honor the flag and these things like that. So one other player by the name of Richard Sherman, he made the statement in saying that 
unfair. The owners who think like this owner, they have a what you would call a plantation mentality. This is what he said. They have a plantation mentality. In other words, he was saying that this billionaire owner, he has a mentality of a slave driver who owns a plantation. And this is how he treats his players. As they made that statement on this particular show, they debate about it. And this is first take with Stephen A. Smith. Well, a young man, Max Kellerman, he made a statement. And I'm saying this because this was very important. And it gave me a different way to view things as well as everybody on that panel. And what he said was this. He said, I understand what Richard Sherman was saying. He said, but if this is a plantation mentality, then Jerry Jones is one of the greatest slaves of it. What am I saying? Even those that are plantation owners, even back in the day, they were more under bondage than the people that was enslaved to them. In other words, he's a slave to the money. Slave owners were slaves to the money. Why? Because they wanted you to work for nothing. And they didn't want to pay you nothing. And they wanted to keep you in that state and condition. Why? Because it benefited them in the end. Their bottom line. So in other words, this is what this man was saying about Jerry Jones. He's no different from the slave owners of old, but the realization of it is he's a greater slave than the people that are enslaved because he's a slave to the money. Do you get the picture? See, a lot of slaves can be saved, but a lot of slave owners couldn't because they got the money. Got the power. I want to keep my thumb right on them. I want to keep them right where they at because it benefits me and it benefits my bottom line. That's what Jerry Jones was saying. You're going to stand for the anthem because it benefits my bottom line. It benefits my dollar. Why? Because there are many people out there who believe that the NFL players shouldn't even protest doing the anthem. Now, let me just say this before I move on. I said all of this because we use the anthem and the protest because what is the purpose of the protest? Why did those guys start protesting? Colin Kaepernick. It was to bring awareness to injustice, unfairness, and mistreatment of the less fortunate. That's what it was for. So was it a good cause? Yes, it was. But you see how the good cause was turned? Same thing, saints. When we do and try to do what's right, the good cause can be turned and try to be presented as something wrong. Read that verse one more time, 10. For the love of money is the root of all evil. Do you think this don't affect Christians? Amen. That's why it's in here. Because it's a warning to Christians. Amen. Because if we love this thing, we'll compromise everything forward. See, that's what Jerry Jones them do. They compromise the reality of truth and being fair and not impartial. All because of that bottom line. It changes the heart of people. Yes. Amen? Amen? And that's what he's saying for us. The love of money will change our heart towards people. Amen? Read the whole verse. For the love of money is the root of all evil. Which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith. What they've erred from? From the faith. And pierced themselves through with many sorrows. In other words, it says they're erred from the faith. In other words, they strayed from the truth. If we pursue money, money will lead us from the truth. Money will always try to get us to compromise God's truth. Let me give you another example. What if somebody came and asked me, Pastor Ward, come pastor our church. We got a salary for you, 36000 a year. 36000 based on already what you make. That's what we're going to give you a year. Come pastor our church. Now, if God ain't let me to do that, and all of a sudden now, whoa, 36000 based on already what I'm making? What you think I'm going to do? Well, I'm going to that 30-something thousand. Say, y'all got to understand this. It's people who have been pastors in local churches 
where they had a van payment due and the pastor's salary was due. You know what that pastor said? Well, I don't care what you do about that van. Pay my salary. See, we ain't experienced that. So all of a sudden, we don't think that exists. Oh, we hunky door in him. It's places that stuff exists. It exists there. Amen? I don't care what y'all do. I want my salary. I know you know it, Ms. Dot. I know you know it, Pastor Harley. See, some people don't been around this thing long enough to know it. Amen? Deuteronomy 16 and 19. Thou should not rest judgment. Don't wrestle with it. Don't stretch it. Thou should not respect persons. Neither take a gift. For a gift does blind the eyes of the wise and pervert the words of the righteous. All of a sudden, you start taking gifts from people, and all of a sudden, you stop saying what's right. Let me give you another example. I know a pastor who made an agreement with a person in the congregation that he wouldn't preach on homosexuality. I know a pastor who made an agreement with someone who's practicing homosexuality. He wouldn't preach on it. And this person that's practicing homosexuality give a lot of money, very influential in the church. Everybody talk about them and say, oh, they're such a good person. Oh, they're this, they're that, they're this and that. I'm just telling you. Yes, sir. I watched. Don't preach on it. So if you stop preaching on it, what you ain't going to stop preaching on? If I stop preaching on homosexuality, what else I won't stop preaching on? That's what the word is saying. For the love of money is the root of all evil. Now let me remind you about this pastor. This pastor is physically wealthy. Physically wealthy. He don't even need the church finances. He don't even need what they give. Wealthy. But yet he take it. I'm just trying to tell you the truth, saints. See, these things I have experienced, and I'm trying to let you know, because sometimes we'll think, we, oh, you know, I'm, I'm just going through this thing. And you know, oh, yeah, you better beware. Just like I needed to learn. See, just like I told you earlier, I thought if I get blessed with a better job or better money, I wouldn't do certain things, and I did exactly what I said I wouldn't do. Ran out and bought everything I can buy. Brother Hines, you know it. Used to try to tell me all the time, man, save some of your money. Save some of your money. Well, you don't know what tomorrow going to bring. And I used to always tell you, boy, I work hard. Well, I'm going to enjoy some of this. Amen. 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 Verse 17. Charge them that are rich in this world that they, not, that they be not high-minded. That they be not what? Not high-minded. See, don't be arrogant because you got and others don't have. Amen. Go ahead. Nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God, who giveth us richly all things to enjoy. You see the word? God gives us richly all things to enjoy. It don't make a difference what we got. I ain't got to have what you have to enjoy what I got. Amen? God has gave it to me. That's it, for I can richly enjoy it. Proverbs 23 and 5 says, Without set thy eyes upon that which is not for riches, Certainly make themselves wings. They fly away as an eagle toward heaven. Riches don't always stay with us, saints. We know the parable Jesus shared in Luke chapter 12. I'm going to read a little bit of it. Luke 12, 16. And he spake a parable unto them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plenty. The man was rich and brought forth plenty. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do? Because I have no room where to bestow my fruits. And he said, this will I do. I will pull down my bonds and, and build greater ones. And there will I bestow all my fruits and goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, thou hast much good laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said unto him, thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then Whose shall those things be which thou hast provided? Look what he says now. So is he that layeth up treasures for himself 
and is not rich toward God. So it don't make no difference whether you can, you can build four or five bombs. It don't make a difference. If you're not rich toward God, you're just like that individual. You don't know the day or the hour that he may come and require your soul. Amen? This is what God wants us to know. Don't be high-minded and arrogant. Verse 18, look at what he says. But they, that they do good. But that they do good. That mm-hmm. they be rich in good works, mm-hmm. ready to distribute, willing to communicate. Willing to communicate. Romans 12 and 13, distributing to the necessity of the saints, giving to hospitality. That's what we should be doing as Christians. There's always a need out there. That's why I said to us as a local body in the business meeting, who of y'all can see a need that we can meet? And I'm not being funny. I said this a few weeks ago. Nobody came with a need that we can meet. You mean to tell me none of us see a need? Let me bring this to your attention. There's a check back there in the box. And that check was given by a ministry that a young woman has. And you know what she said? Well, it's laid on my heart to be a blessing to your ministry. Do you be a blessing to the children? Do you help the children going back to school? I want to give you $100 to be a blessing. They see a need. Do we see one? I'm just saying to you. But we'll sit back and look at, oh, ain't nobody coming. Ain't this and that another. What are we doing? What we want this place to be full of people doing nothing? We first got to start doing something. I'm just telling you, saints, another person gave a hundred dollars in that box and say, give, help the children going back to school. They seen a need and gave money to meet it. What do we see? Now, I want to remind you now, me and Pastor Harley talked about doing that table with the, the community when the city done that going back to school. But because we had planned that event that Saturday, going to over, over to um, Aquatica, that's why we didn't have a table. But this is what me and this man talked about. That's why we didn't have a table. And I'm not making an indictment to nobody, because I should think about something, I'm the doggone pastor. Amen? So I'm not saying anything to you to try to belittle you or to demean you or to make you look little. What I'm saying is all of us should have something in our heart that we can do. Or all of us can see a need. Amen? That's just like I shared with her young son. These young men have needs. I've shared with the men. We need to get together and try to put something together for these young men in our community. Brother Hines connected with a lot of these young boys, whether it's a football, basketball. A lot of them children, when the football over, they run these streets. Not all of them, because some of them parents have more control over them. Amen? But these are things that we as a ministry could be doing, saints. But to do good and to communicate, forget not. For with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. God is pleased with our sacrifice, saints. Verse 19. Laying up in store for themselves a good foundation against the time to come, that they may lay hold on eternal life. See, we all want eternal life, but we ain't doing everything necessary to obtain it. Let me remind you of another scripture. Jesus, when he said the goats on one side and the sheep on another side, remember what he said. Ye who are blessed of my father, come and inherit the kingdom that was prepared for you. And then he went on to talk about when I was sick, you came to visit me. When I was in prison, you came to visit me. When I was here, you did this, you did that. And his disciples said, when have we seen thee and came and did this? He said, when you've done it to the least of these, your brethren. Amen. So we can start with that. What are we doing? Are we ministering to the sick? Are we ministering to those who need help? Are we going to the prisons or helping those in prison? Are we really helping? That's the purpose. Amen. The Bible didn't say we can help everybody. But it should be something in our hearts to do some helping. Jesus won't tell us is that this will be the fruit or this will be the actions of those who will inherit eternal life if it ain't something he's given us to do. I'm not being funny. Pastor Harley laid out there back a month or so ago, going to the nursing home. Who all want to go? We're going to the nursing home. Give you opportunity to minister to the sick. Now, I had to work. And I felt bad. 
But yet and still, in going there, they had already finished. But look at the blessing I missed even in that. He went there, got there early. He got a chance to talk to the young man who passed away they buried last week. And that's Willie Banks. We, we called him Bug Eye. But his name was Willie Banks. Now this man went through what Pastor Harley went through. He went through some amputation of his limb, of his toe. Pastor Harley got a chance to minister to that man that day and encourage him that day. Not knowing, that man not knowing, because he told him, yeah, I got a few weeks of rehab. Once rehab is over, I'll be out. Never made it. That's what we're saying, saints. See, that was an opportunity. And I felt bad because I missed that opportunity. And when he told me about it, what I told you? Man, I'm going to try to get there to sin. Working, doing this and doing that, never got a chance to go sin. But I praise God that you did. All I'm saying is if we be due diligent about what God say do and set our time for it, we can do it. We can do it. Now, see, I got an excuse even though I want to use now. Because I had a man working and the rain was coming and I couldn't leave him. It makes no reason for that. I still could have went. All we're saying, saints, is we got to stop making excuses. God is going to judge us one day. God is going to judge us one day, saints. The Bible says, land up in store for themselves a good foundation against the time to come, that they may lay hold on eternal life. Matthew 6 and 20, but lay up treasures in heaven. Neither moth or rust doth corrupt, where thieves do not break through and steal, but our houses full of all kind of stuff. Let's close. It is a humble, it is through a humble obedience. <clears throat> We receive the promises of God. Verse 12, James 1.12. Blessed is the man that endureth temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to, him, to them that love him. Look at what it says. It says, blessed is the man that endureth temptation. Mm -hmm. Blessed means supremely blessed. See, a lot of people will tell you I'm blessed and highly favored. But are they supremely blessed? The Bible says blessed not only means supremely blessed, but it means fortunate. See, we're not lucky. We're fortunate. We're well off. And it also means happy. Happy is the man that endures temptation. Endure means to have fortitude, to persevere. It means to take it patiently. See, when we go through the test of life, we got to be willing to take them patiently. Because God says when we are tried, that means approved. That means proved by trial. We will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised them that love him. Psalms 94 and 12 says this. Blessed is the man whom thou chasteneth, O Lord, and teacheth him out of his law. See, when we go through temptations and times of being put to proof, God is teaching us something. Amen. And the Bible says, blessed is the man whom he corrects and teaches out of his law. Psalms 119, verse 75. See, when you're taught out of God's law and you know what God is doing, you know what God has said, this is your response when you go through things. Psalms 119, verse 75. I know, O Lord, that thou judgments are right. Do we know God's judgments are right? That thou, in faithfulness, has afflicted me? Do we think when we go through afflictions that God has done it in righteousness? Or do we sit back and all we do is complain? Oh, look at what I'm going through now. God, I tell you, Lord, it's just one thing after another. When he is the one that afflicts us, the devil can do nothing. We've not seen and heard the story of Job. Have you considered my servant Job? He couldn't do nothing to Job without God's permission. Amen? So likewise, do we not understand that he can't do anything in our life without permission? He has to get permission. So if God is allowing affliction in our life, he's doing it in righteousness. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 32, look at what it says. But when we are judged, that means to try. But when we are tried, we are chastened of the Lord that we should not be condemned with the world. Do we believe that? Do we appreciate that? See, God chastens us that we don't be condemned with the world. But do we see that? Do we see that everything is working together for my good? That's what he's doing. 
Remember the next verse. Because those who he foreknew, he also has predestined to be conforming to the image of his son. Everything is working to our good because God is shaping us like Jesus. See, when we're judged, when we're tried or called into question by God, see, he does it that we don't be contemned with the world. That's what God is doing, saints. Closing, 2 Timothy chapter 4. 2 Timothy chapter 4. Look at Paul as we close. Look at what he says. I want to read this. All these scriptures are vitally important. These people have made it, saints. They've made it to be on with God. We're still trying to get there. Amen? So it's vitally important for us to hear what they got to say and not what the world got to say. Look at what he says. Verse 6 through 8. For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but all, unto all them also that love his appearing. You see what he's saying? In other words, God has something for all of us. We have to be faithful to the end. Amen? First Peter 5 and 4 says, And when that chief shepherd shall appear, ye shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. God is not a liar, saints. See, it's a blessedness in humility. Because it's only through humility that we can receive what we need from God. See, the apostle Paul couldn't say this outside of humility. Who of us, sitting here today, uh, honestly say, I'm ready to be offered? The time of my departure is at hand. I fought the good fight. I finished my course. I kept the faith. Henceforth is later for me a crown of rice. What we're saying is, Lord, let me live a little longer. What we're saying is, Lord, give me a little more time. Lord, give me another opportunity. All I'm trying to say, saints, is don't deceive yourself. We ain't made it yet. Because when we make it, we'll be bold to say, Lord, you can take me if you want. See, I ain't that bold yet. See, though I feel sometimes like I may leave him, I ain't that bold yet. Because I know God is working a work in my life. Amen? Amen. Be encouraged, saints. We need to understand the blessedness of humility.